0: At this time in the afternoons, we'll be offering different um, guided meditations, and today I want to introduce um, a meditation on what's called metta in Pali. The word might be new to some of you, although it's become quite widespread, and I imagine most of you have heard that word, metta, but... When I went to my first retreat, <clears throat> which is the case for some of you, there were all these helpful little signs around the center. It said, please don't bring any food or drinks into the hall, and it was signed metta, and please come on time for the sittings, metta, and they're all over the place. And I thought there was some, you know, well-intentioned busybody who just couldn't help themselves leaving these little notes, because I'd never heard that word before. <laughs> So metta is, uh, well here's a description from the, in the Buddha's words from one of the suttas. Here one abides pervading one quarter with a mind imbued, imbued with loving kindness. Likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth, and so above and below, all around and everywhere, one abides pervading the all-encompassing world with a mind imbued with loving-kindness, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill-will. So there's implicit in this that his audience knew what this meant. He used the word metta, translated here as loving-kindness. I actually think it's not the best translation. And when we hear a quotation like this, it can sound, you know, maybe a little grand or something, this loving kindness, and we're pervading everywhere, the all-encompassing world, and it's abundant and exalted and immeasurable. And that might sound you know, beyond anything. We could actually figure out what, what that would be. There's a uh, a teaching from one of the texts that I think is really useful. It says, just as one would feel friendliness when seeing a dearly beloved person, a dear friend, so one extends this quality of kindness to all beings. So that's probably something we can maybe get a, a closer relationship to this sense of friendliness. And the word Metta is very closely related to another word, Mitta, which means friend. It's the word for friend. Some of you might have heard Kalyana Mitta, a, a spiritual or wise friend. And so this 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 sense here is of um, just simple goodwill, simple friendliness, the heart that wishes well to ourselves, to another being. And this quality of Metta is one of what are called the four Brahma-viharas. And the words Brahma-vihara translate to divine abode or divine abiding. The word Brahma is like divine or godlike. And vihara is actually used it's a dwelling place. When you go to Buddhist pilgrimage sites, there are uh, viharas, they call them, which are places where you can stay. So, um... Metta is said to be sometimes the first of these. There's, the second one is Karuna, compassion. Third one is Mudita, or empathetic, or appreciative joy. And the fourth is equanimity. And these are said to be, um, qualities of mind that arise as our practice de- develops and unfolds. They're practices, qualities of mind that we have. They're not uh, outside of our experience and we can develop them through um, intentional practices. And you could say that they are the expression in the world of the heart of wisdom, the enlightened heart, that the response to life is of kindness, compassion, empathetic or appreciative joy, gladness, at the good fortune of others, and equanimity, that is this uh, balance of mind or heart. So it's said that the proximate cause for the arising of this quality of friendliness or good will is seeing uh, what's lovable in beings. And it's said that its footing, it rests on uh, seeing with kindness. It's a seeing through kind eyes. I like that idea of looking through kind eyes. It's like we could put on kindness glasses and see through them. And you know, if we look in our own mind and heart, if we look at those in our lives and others around us, we'll see it's, we're mixed and there'll be things that we like about ourselves and others and that we feel that are are beautiful and good and things that we see that could use improvement, maybe not so beautiful. And I think often we can find ourselves focusing, maybe especially with ourselves, on the things that we feel are not so lovable. You know, our flaws, our glaringly obvious to us but our good qualities will tend to overlook often or dismiss or diminish. I know this has been true for me historically. Don't do that so much. I would tend to just really diminish my goodness. And I think we often uh, do this. We see what's wrong with us so easily. And this conditions a lot of difficult mind states of uh self self-loathing and uh, not feeling good enough not feeling okay feelings of separation judging ourselves judging others and so with this practice and when we do it as a meditation we make a conscious decision that we're going to focus on the good in ourselves and others focus on what is lovable see through kind eyes not pretending that there may not be room for improvement and we don't pretend that we're perfect or that others are perfect, but we, we focus on this aspect, this side of things, you could say. We focus on the good. And this uh, it can really transform the way we relate in the world. And we, It's a conscious intention to create a field of goodwill. And this quality of friendliness, of metta, of uh, kindness... Of goodwill it's a it's it shows up as a a quality of generosity of heart it's just an offering it's not asking for anything in return It's not conditional and it's one way we can connect to it. I think one way that we can easily tap into it is by connecting with the universal wish that all beings have to be at ease or to be happy be safe and this quality really um i think it's essential in our practice it can balance um sometimes uh, dryness that can feel like it's there um in in the meditation practice and we're can sometimes feel like we're almost clinically um meeting our experience in this in this way that can feel quite um cool or separated in some way. Metta brings a warmth and a moisture to that. It soothes the mind. It increases the spaciousness, ease, flexibility, pliability of the mind, this quality of heart. So it's a great support to our practice. And it really can help us be with um, the difficult things that come up in a balanced way. helps to balance our view. We see the good as well as what's uh, not so beautiful. So there are a couple things before we begin the meditation that I want to mention. Um, there, with all of these Brahma Viharas, these four divine abidings, it's said that they have a near enemy and a far enemy, or a near neighbor, far neighbor. Some people don't like to use the word enemy, and the near one is is something that resembles this quality but but isn't it that masquerades out of it. and this would be different forms of kind of conditional love the kind of love that says i'll i'll love you i wish you well as long as you wish me well in return or as long as you do what i want or give me what i want some kind of condition that has this quality of desire or wanting uh, f- woven into it so as I was saying metta is this pure offering with no no conditions it's not asking for anything but with when it's tinged with this desire or this conditional kind of love it has this um this sense of wanting getting something wanting to be loved in return and so forth wanting acceptance or recognition or whatever And there's there's a limitation there. This love that's um, conflated with desire, there are always these conditions and there's limitations and it chooses this one, this one over that one. There's a distinction of preference. The quality of metta leads to feelings of happiness and well-being and contentment, fulfillment, but when when it's woven with desire, there's usually uh, leads to um, often fear, feelings of fear or disappointment, possessiveness, insecurity often follow on from that. So they have very they take us to very different places in the in the heart, the mind states that follow on from them. Because ultimately, and in this quotation, it talks about it being abundant, exalted, immeasurable. Ultimately, it has this ability to become really abundant and immeasurable, unconditional, boundless, limitless, and making, not making distinctions. It's an offering. It flows from our inner being, not from conditions in the world. And it empowers us. It's very empowering, strengthening for the mind and the heart, because we see that our, our well-being is is not dependent on things being a particular way or on people being only the way we want them to be. And sometimes when we approach these kinds of practices, we can feel that we or others are somehow not worthy of love, that we have to fix ourselves or the others have to fix their tragically flawed personalities or whatever it is before they can be worthy of love. But in this Um practice, beings are seen as worthy of love because they are living beings, because of being sentient, what we call sentient beings. That's the the qualification for being worthy. So we're all pre-qualified as living beings. And right now, this is a very widespread practice, right now in the world, there are people who are sending metta to all beings, guaranteed, And we're we're all we're part of all beings, so we can have our radar out to catch that. It's happening right now. So it's important to bear in mind that this and all meditation practices are practices of purification. And purification is often kind of messy and bumpy and not always a lot of fun, not always beautiful. And sometimes, and metta seems to function, one of my colleagues talks about this metta practice functioning like a magnet that pulls out the impurities and they often surface. And a lot of stuff will come up and because it's coming up does not mean that the practice, you're doing it wrong. That if you're not sitting there in a field of blissful, Flowing, abundant, exalted metta for all beings. Then there's something wrong with you, which is what I thought, because when I first was introduced to this practice, I just hated it. The teacher would be was up there saying, oh, "The way I'm teaching it, we'll use phrases and words. May you be happy. May you be safe." And my mind was screaming, "I hate you, and I hate everything," which doesn't look a lot like this quality of metta. And I had to I had to just sit there and be with that hatred, with that aversion. That's not bad practice. I had to just sit there noting, hating, hating. <coughs> so just in case something like that, not predicting this, <laughs> I'm sure you'll all be filled with blissful metta loving feelings, but in case some aversion or something else arises, don't take it as a sign of failure, or anything like that. But we may need to fall back on the vipassana practice because if we're saying words, may you be happy, may you be safe, and our mind is screaming, I hate everything, there's a disconnect there. Those two don't line up real well. So we have the vipassana practice as a fallback. We can fall back to being mindful of this, this state of, of aversion of resistance of not wanting of hating if that's how strong it is we may have to let go of trying to uh do the practice and and generate these feelings and and be with what's true and that's that's the movement of metta that's the kind thing that's that's metta practice in that moment is actually attending to what's real and true does this make sense does this makes sense what i'm saying so we have to be careful that we don't judge ourselves based on what we see in our minds and hearts. And, and a really beautiful way of thinking of this practice is that we're, we're planting seeds. That's our job. Every moment of mindfulness, every time we um, form the intention to uh, offer kindness to ourselves or another being, we're planting a seed. That's our job. Our job is not to make them sprout and flower. They do that in their own time. But we can plant them. And that's a great way to think of your practice. Every time you come back to presence, planting that seed. That's all we can do, really. So in this, in this practice, uh, there's a lot of different ways that it gets offered. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna offer one particular method which may be familiar to some of you. It's very commonly taught. It comes from uh, one of the texts called the Visuddhi which means the path of purification. And it involves using words in the mind, um, images or feelings, uh, felt sense of different beings, and, and the sense of offering them or wishing them well. Um, there are different ways and and the next days i'm sure Jill and i will offer other approaches but i wanted to introduce this one today so um, and in all of these so we we do all we do practices with all four of these brahmaviharas this retreat we probably won't get to all four of them uh we may focus just on metta and uh karuna the first two uh kindness and compassion We usually start, the the way this practice is taught, is we start where it's easy, relatively easy, and we move to where it's more difficult, moving through different categories of beings who are said uh, to be moving from where it's easier to where it's more difficult. And traditionally it's said one begins with oneself. Now that might be an easy place for some of you, But my teacher told me I had to put myself in the difficult person category because that would just—I couldn't do it. So we want to find a place that's easy, a place where we really can um, easily feel uh, feelings of goodwill. So um, I'll bring this up more in the guided uh, as I start to guide the meditation. But we'll be starting with a, a being. Where the, the relationship is very simple and, um, the sense of, of caring for them arises very easily. So not a complicated, so even a very dear friend, sometimes, you know, they, we love them, but, you know, you just need to stop doing that thing or whatever, you know, so we're, there's a little bit of, there's a little something there, you know, it's like, I love you, but I wish you'd get your act together or whatever. So we're gonna start, even easier than than a dear friend. So take a position, a posture that feels uh, very comfortable um, for yourself right now. If you want to adjust your posture, possibly switch to a chair, that's fine. Um, But uh, we always want to try to bring ease to the body, but especially uh, with these uh, Brahma-vihara practices, we want to start with as much comfort as possible so that we're not um, struggling with uh, difficult sensations in the body at least not right away and beginning now by allowing um, yourself to just just be as you are right now not doing anything for a few moments now but just just being a living being. So there's no focus, nothing that feels like something you're doing. Whatever mood might be there, you could be feeling sleepy or grumpy, happy, interested or bored. It's fine, just as you are, however you are. You don't have to do anything about it, fix anything or change anything. You don't have to work at anything. You're just a living being right now. And if you'd like to, you could allow your attention to come to the area we often call the heart center, with the base of the sternum in the central part of the chest, so not so much on the side where the the beating heart organ is, but more than the center. Some people find it interesting to place the hand or fingertips there. Some people uh, might breathe into this part of the body, but it might not be meaningful for you. It might not make sense. You don't have to do this, but if you'd like to, if it seems interesting, or you have found it helpful in the past to connect with this part of the body, some traditions would call it the heart chakra chakra. not looking for some special sensation or trying to create something, just gently connecting with this part of the body or not. And now see if some being might come into your mind where it's a simple relationship and the feelings of friendliness or goodwill seem uh, easily accessible for you. It might be yourself. It might be someone who has been very kind and supportive, who you know just cares for you and wishes you well and where it's easy for you to wish them well. Sometimes we call this a benefactor. Could be someone who's been a teacher, or a grandparent, or someone else in our life who's just always cared for us, and we think of them and maybe there's a smile that comes. It doesn't have to be a human being. It could be an animal or a tree. I always start with certain animals that I love. Where I live, there's an animal called a prairie dog. They're small rodents that live in colonies and they they stand up on their back legs and call to one another and I love them there used to be tons and tons of them where I live but their homes have been destroyed and there aren't very many left and I don't think they get the respect they deserve so I think of prairie dogs easy for me to lo- I don't have to try I can't not love them Maybe another animal, maybe you have a pet. Maybe there's a tree. I was able to visit these giant, huge cowrie trees, the mother cowrie tree up in the Northland. I love that tree. I love all cowrie trees. We can wish them well, and I don't have to try very hard. I don't have to try at all. So see if you can connect with a being like that. And it may be yourself. And so perhaps an image or just a felt sense of a being... If it's an image, it probably won't just stay there, it might come and go, it would for me. You don't have to try to hold on to an image. Some people, when they are thinking of themselves, picture themselves as a young child, that could be good. Maybe it's more a feeling than an image. maybe a smile will come once in a while when you think of this this being if it's another being or yourself you can picture them in a happy space a happy place in a safe place of safety and ease and so traditionally we combine this sense or image or feeling of a person or another being or ourselves with words that may help us to evoke this sense of goodwill, of friendliness. So I'll say a few phrases, some traditional ones, some that are more um, of my own invention. And you can try those on and also come up with words that work for you that maybe touch a feeling of emotion, this feeling of goodwill. So there's room for you to be creative in that regard. And it may be better for you to not use words. It may be a very quiet, gentle, wordless offering. You can check it out and see. May you be happy and safe. May you be healthy and strong. May you take care of yourself joyfully. Some people like to Reconnect with the area of the heart between, after saying each phrase, just resting there for a moment. You can try that if you want to. If you're working With yourself as the object of your offering of kindness, you change the words in that way. May I be happy and peaceful just as I am. May I be free of trouble and worry. May I be protected from inner and outer harm. May there always be kindness and friendship for me. So continuing in this way, with this easy being, with yourself, offering these wishes of goodwill, with words that are personally meaningful, that touch a chord of real friendliness, or perhaps with some of the phrases I've used, And when it becomes vague or the mind drifts, just gently bring it back. Reconnect perhaps with the heart center. Bring up an image or feeling of this being, of yourself or another. And just begin again, gently offering. And perhaps also receiving. Offering these wishes and receiving them from the a dear being easy being let them wish you well also If you lose the thread of the meditation, drifting starts to feel vague or not connected. Just gently come back to feeling the body sitting, the hands touching perhaps. Maybe reconnecting with the area of your heart center if that's been useful or interesting. finding again a connection through an image or a felt sense of yourself or an easy being, and offering phrases of goodwill or in silence, just a gentle energy of well-wishing. May you be happy and safe. May you have ease of body and mind. May you take care of yourself happily. May there always be kindness and friendship for you. And now as we come to the last few minutes of this period of meditation together, start to let go of trying to do something, trying to do a practice. You don't have to push anything away, but let go of trying to create images or come up with words. Let go of anything that feels like something you're trying to do. Come back to that simplicity of simply being. There's nothing you have to do, and there's nowhere to go, there's no one to be, there's nothing to get, nothing to get rid of. There's no inside and no outside. Nothing to hold on to and nothing to let go of. There's no meditation. There's no one who's trying to meditate.